This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the writer and director for Landscape with Invisible Hand, Corey Finley. You know, you really captured his essence. Maybe his face could use a little more detail, though. It's like a photograph. I'm Adam. Chloe. Sure, you're not gonna make fun of me. Just show me. All right. Oh my god. This might be the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. You have 62 viewers and $300 total. Hi, Corey, am I talking to you from the East Coast? Where are you at? You are uh, coming to you live from the Upper West west Side of uh, scorching hot Manhattan right now. I have heard it is awful. I live in LA. I'm used to the heat, but I have heard you guys are just getting pummeled this year. So I, I, hear, I hear it's bad in LA too, which is not something I usually hear about LA weather. Oh uh, well, we don't have the humidity though. I mean, like you know, it's it, it's it's a swamp where you are. So I see all this art behind you, and I guess that works as kind of a pivot. Are, is there about to be a, a shocking twist here where you reveal to me that you did the art in this film? Oh, you God, are... I wish. <laughs> I wish. That, the, the one over my, uh, for anyone watching this interview, the one over my uh, left, yeah, this is my left ear, uh, is by William Downs, who is the artist uh, who painted all of Adam's original artwork uh, in the movie. And that was one of the really key collaborators on this movie and, and one of the hardest ones to find. Because um, early on, I knew that this was a movie that's sort of all about this young artist finding his voice and that his art was going to really be a character in the movie. I didn't want to just quickly throw together some, you know, some nice props for his some, some set decoration for his, uh, for his art. I really wanted to work with an artist and have sort of a long iterative process of, uh, of finding this artist's voice and, and working with an artist who really already kind of have their own developed voice and could keep some of that while also doing the sort of character work of, of being our character. And William Downs, who lives in Atlanta, is based in Atlanta where we shot, uh, is just such a great artist. As you can maybe see from his piece sort of blurly in the background there, he mostly works in black and white uh, and mostly in ink and does these kind of monumental uh, drawings on, on often directly on the walls of art galleries. And for this, we kind of convinced William to work in color, which he hadn't done in a very long time. And I think he ended up enjoying that. But it was uh, it was a way to keep a lot of his sort of core style, which is what attracted me to him as a collaborator, but also uh, make it a little different from his own work, make it something unique to this character. 
Yeah, it was pretty striking generally throughout. You know, it's 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 a visually pretty interesting movie. And obviously one of the aspects that comes with that is these aliens. I imagine you guys didn't have a huge budget, but the aliens are pretty effectively done. So tell me a little bit about the the process of designing and creating this alien race on screen. Yeah, that was it was one of the reasons I wanted to do this movie because it was so far from what I'd done before. And it was a real joy. I, I worked with Eric DeBoer, who was our visual effects supervisor. He uh, had had worked with Bong Joon-ho on the uh, the Super Pig in Okja. Oh, yeah. Which, which for me was like a real milestone uh, in, in visual effects, where it was the first time I'd really gotten like deeply emotionally invested in a, a fully visual effects character on screen. And, and just the even technically the textures and all of that were so convincing. And um so I worked with Eric. He he kind of taught me a lot about uh, how how best to do visual effects. Uh, and because of the COVID delays on this movie, as so many movies experienced, we got a long opportunity to to iterate on creature design and, and really try to kind of simplify uh, over and over again and, and have something that was striking and weird, but not this sort of uh, we didn't want you staring at the alien, sort of marveling at its at its complex you know marvelous physique the, the creature itself is a sort of an annoying almost like a personification of the robot voice on the phone telling you that you're 30th in line to talk to a human and so we wanted a suitably kind of strange almost annoying looking alien and i think eric did a great job with that well, what about um shooting for those creatures on set you know you have scenes where like Tiffany Haddish is supposed to be holding it or, yes. you know, everyone's interacting with it. What did you guys use for stand-ins or were people just talking to an empty space? So we had uh, a whole army of, of what we call proxies of these little sort of variously shaped uh, 3D printed models, scale models of the VUV. There's actually one, again, for any visual. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's one hiding under my uh, oh. under my. See, yeah. it looks cute in this capacity. Like, yeah. It doesn't have its slightly nauseating, like, uncanny valley, human skin tone, yeah. raw turkey flesh. So that makes it a little cuter. But, um, but yeah, so we use those. The, the shot that you're talking about where Tiffany is wrestling with the alien took a lot of planning. And that was, uh, we actually had Eric taking a, a sort of limbless version of the proxy and had a, a uh, he had like a basically like a broomstick attached to it and was sort of perturbing this and caught so that Tiffany actually had something to resist rather than just needing to shake it or do all the acting herself. And, um, and yeah, so it was, and, and for some of the shots, just as a VFX necessity, you have to pull the proxies and actually get the, basically the pixels behind the thing for, for the animators to work with. But uh but yeah, so there was it was all kinds of different setups uh, depending on the scene. It was all heavily choreographed. Now, what about their language? It's it's a running joke that nobody could, no human could even begin probably to to actually speak it. So, uh, tell me about working with your sound team and creating the Vov language. This that's a very good impression. We should we could have saved a lot of money just by having. You. <laughs> Um, but so that was, that actually started even before the, the sound exploration started even before 
we got really deep into the visual exploration. And that was also um, Eric DeBoer's idea, our, our visual effects supervisor. He, he said, you know, usually the sound is the last piece. You get these amazing visual effects creatures. And then when you have like almost your final version, you pass it over to Foley and they give you the roars and squeaks and all that. But this really was a character that, and this, these have a lot of dialogue. And so he thought it would be cool to treat it like a human performer where you get a, you know, you get a voiceover and then you animate to that. So another key collaborator was Gene Park, who's been my my sound mastermind, uh, supervising sound mixer, sound editor, sound designer uh, for every movie I've done so far. And he was really inventive about getting in there with a great Foley team early on and just experimenting with getting different strange rubbing sounds and then adding layers of audio processing and speed changes and all of that. But trying to make something that felt like organic and not just sort of a like weird alien, vague sci-fi sounds, but still sounded like nothing uh, that we that we could recognize here on Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, re I remember his work in Thoroughbreds, you know, for years, the sound of that rowing machine <laughs> has stuck with me thematically. Yes, you know, key collaborator for sure. Yeah, amazing work there. So, you know, I kind of jumped ahead, but what drew you to this book in the first place? Yeah, uh, so some of it was I'm, I'm very reactive to what I've done most recently. So coming off of Bad Education, which was a very um, essentially it was a dark comedy, but essentially realistic kind of character drama, dark you know crime story. I wanted something that was very, very far from that, that had a real kind of unabashed genre element. And what I loved about this book was that it it had this very kind of cerebral, but also very goofy and bizarre and funny idea at its core, which is this notion of kind of a purely economic alien invasion, like a free market alien invasion, where there's no force used other than the forces of, of you know, basic economics. And... Uh, and, and and I love the way that the book talked about kind of, you know, good old fashioned capitalism and, and also, uh, you know, sort of ideas of colonialism, cultural appropriation. It took on a lot of these very weighty ideas, but in a very playful way. And I, and I was drawn to the fact that it seemed very hard to adapt, frankly, that it was uh, it was just going to force me to use very different muscles than I'd ever used on on previous movies. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Did you follow the book structure pretty closely or did you kind of rejigger it a lot? I think overall, yeah, it's it's it, there's there are a number of differences in the book. And I, I encourage anyone who liked or even disliked the movie to read the book because it's such a great book. But um, it's I think overall, we kept the structure and I certainly tried to be very almost more than the structure. I want to be very true to its tone. And it has this very, uh, very kind of specific, almost world weary sort of sort of a you know it's very much from a through teenage eyes and and it has almost that like catcher in the rye concern with authenticity but it has this very funny incredibly dark satirical sort of world weary tone that I wanted to to keep in the movie 
Yeah, so this, uh, honestly, thinking about this world and this possibility made me pretty depressed. What do you see um, in in the world you created long term? What do you see happening? Because I have to imagine eventually there just won't be enough humans left to consume the products the aliens have created, right? And it's kind of tapped into my existential dread about where capitalism is going and, you know, we keep automating everything until there's no one left to consume the goods. What's happening in this world ultimately? Yeah, I mean, it's very, I think you 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 put it well. I think it's a bleak future for sure. It's a bleak present in the movie and an even bleaker uh, future. And and it was compelling to me in a, in a dark way, this idea of a world that like, where, you know, nefarious forces would be able to take over without firing a shot. It's not a hostile takeover. Humans uh, accept this situation step by step, uh, each time thinking their lives are improving until they kind of wake up one day and realize their lives are horribly not improved and i think there are it's obviously a blown up um over the top version of some of the things happening today but i think there are there are uh there are points of comparison there and i think yeah when you talk about like there being no one left to consume you look at you know towns uh appalachian towns that were coal mining uh you know coal mining epicenters that just get abandoned when when the coal leaves and i guess in this case the, the main resource that Earth is providing to the the interplanetary empire is uh, is humanity. There's the resource is you know love consumers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and eventually they'll probably get tired of that and and move on. But you know, as bleak as this is all sounding, I did for for that reason. It was important that there's a glimmer of hope uh, at the end of the movie, and it's not just doesn't just fall into kind of an easy nihilism. And so I did want the ending to to feel like a um, you know, not a rose-colored glasses sort of ending, but a feeling of of uh, at least a sort of an exaltation of that which makes us human, and the the importance of making art and doing things that matter to you uh, for its own sake, essentially. Yeah, I mean that that's that's relief. The idea that art can triumph in all this, and obviously, I don't want to get spoilery if anyone hasn't watched yes, yes, yes. the film. But hopefully, that's um, enough. There were some other aspects about the world you built I thought that were interesting. Little details, like when we go up to this kind of rich floating world the aliens have for themselves, one of the secretaries, we have this whole scene where she's putting this like oily sheen on herself. What? Why? Okay, unpack that. So it's a great, there used to be a little bit, there were more scenes kind of unpacking that, but I was really drawn to this idea again from the book that, that, uh, the tiny handful of humans that form this new shrunken upper class, like the very small number of them that can be sort of directly in business with the aliens, that those humans become kind of culturally corrupted by their proximity to to power. And that, you know, that which is powerful becomes that which is sexy. So these tiny bizarre looking aliens that have to wear goo on their body so that they don't dry out and dehydrate in our earthly environment that becomes the height of fashion so people want to look and sound and behave more vov like less human like because that's those are the rich people those are the rich things and uh and so uh, in the book they actually had like full shaved heads and i didn't want to quite go there for all, all sorts of reasons but <laughs> the idea that people shave their eyebrows to be as hairless as possible like the vov and that a few of them actually start putting on this this anti-drying aid uh, even though it's completely unnecessary for them i thought was a funny subversive idea 
Did you actually have poor Michael Gandolfini shave his eyebrows for this? No, he was let the record show he was very willing to do it. And uh, but uh, he just had such beautiful eyebrows. I couldn't I couldn't part with them. So our, our amazing hair and makeup team gave him, uh, you know, some great looking fake uh, shaved eyebrows. So I don't even know what to say. I expect a Corey Finley movie is going to be. So I have no idea what to expect next. Any ideas from you? What are you working on next? Because yeah, I mean, as is always the case, I guess, in in the ever more uh, complex terrain of of trying to get movies made in Hollywood, there are a number of projects. We'll see what kind of uh, is the next one up. But uh, I'm definitely interested. As I said before, I'm like very restless, so I don't think I'll do another sci-fi project next. This was less about crossing sci-fi off my list and more about just loving the book's strange approach to these um to these to these issues and wanting to do something genre but i'm you know i'll say the psychological thriller genre which can mean many things is kind of calling my calling my name again but in in a different form so we'll see we'll see what happens and obviously we need to resolve these uh very worthy union fights before anything can continue but uh but yeah there will be more in the future well, I can't wait to see that. And obviously, you uh, you know, you you have a knack for bringing about interesting up and coming actors and uh, pretty memorable plots. So I look forward to seeing what that has. Before I go, I wanted to tell you fun anecdote about this. When I watched uh, a screening of this, I had not done my research on it at all. In fact, when I first watched it, I hadn't even, I I, I didn't even check to see it was you who directed it. So. Mm-hmm when it started i thought it was a kids movie and so it's like eight minutes in and then the dude blows his brains out on screen it's like oh my god spoiler yeah yeah Yeah. i I love i love uh i wish more people could walk in you know uh to movies with no idea of what to expect because one of my great pleasures is in the rare cases like you're saying where i haven't seen a trailer or don't know anything about a movie i love just being knocked sideways by genre shifts So I hope a few people can have that experience and that they're not too traumatized by it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Corey. Uh, You know, good luck with the promo with this and with whatever film you give us next. I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the writer and director for Landscape with Invisible Hand, Corey Finley, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Landscape with Invisible Hand is now playing in theaters from MGM Pictures. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.